we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckadelics? What the fucking avians? What the uh, fuckricans? Uh, I did it again. Oh, shit. It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening to my show. Thank you for uh, for being supportive and enjoying it. I'm glad that so many of you have liked the recent shows. Can you still hear a little sickness in my voice? Now I'm in that zone. All right. All right. Relax. Pull it together. Gary Goldman is on the show. All right. Gary Goldman is a uh, Massachusetts comic. He came up in Boston after me. He's going to be with me at the live WTF on February 8th at the Wilbur. That night I'll be doing a live WTF and a, uh, a live stand-up show. But this weekend I'm going to Albany. Tomorrow night I'll be at the Egg with Mike Lawrence. It's going to be fun. I'm thrilled to be there with you people. And then I'm in D.C. at the uh, 6th and I, the old synagogue uh, there. There's a synagogue. I'm playing a synagogue, Yes. It's it, it's not it. They use it for other people. It's not just a Jewish venue. It's not specifically Jew, and that is sold out. That that show is sold out. DC sold out. Albany not so much, but not bad. But not bad. I don't want to forget what I'm getting at here. You know, I'm going back to Boston. I have a lot of years there. I drank a lot of things there. I snorted a lot of stuff there. I studied things there. I had sex a lot there early on so not great sex there's a lot of me on the streets of boston as some of you found out if you listen to the judge the judge the judge hodgman episode the john hodgman episode so i'm going to be in boston the following week i'm very much looking forward to that and i was trying to think back in boston about like for some reason the thing i can't get out of my mind is the first time i did stand-up comedy was not when i actually started doing stand-up comedy i that sounds odd but i did stand-up comedy uh, a bit like in 1984 when I was still in college there was a summer there where I'm like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I tried it with another dude uh, comedy that is and um, and I'm like I'll do it myself and I remember that summer I was living on a porch an enclosed porch it was summer in Boston it was thick it was horrible muggy can't sleep no matter what even if you're just laying there naked on a bare mattress with nothing touching you, you're still hot and gross. You feel like you're blanketed, blanketed in humidity. The air is, is almost viscous. And I was drinking a lot. And I was doing these open mics. And all I was doing was drinking in open mics. And I remember there was this period where, like, I, I, I just remember buying a half gallon of vodka. Like, I was getting on here and there, but it was just torture. Waiting around. Had nothing to do during the day. I was working at this Jewish deli. I was showing up all sweaty, pukey, fucked up. And I just remembered, like, I wasn't doing very well at comedy, was not happy. I bought a half gallon of vodka. And I was like, all right, I'm going to set out to make the perfect Bloody Mary, and I'm going to do it with this half gallon of vodka. Because someone had just told me about the horseradish Bloody Mary with the Tabasco. Like, there was a lot of options. There's a lot of uh, variations on that. And I think in about two days, three days, I, I hit it. I hit the perfect Bloody Mary. But of course, at that point, it just it didn't fucking matter. And I was just laying there. There's nothing worse than being a drunk in humidity. Because you can't even tell what's making you nauseous anymore. You can't sleep anyways. That's how you know you're fucking out there on the booze is that when the drinking, it may knock you out, but it also disrupts your sleep pattern. But I'm happy to say, as uh, I don't know if I made it clear, I did, I did finally make the perfect Bloody Mary and uh, it didn't matter because I couldn't remember it. I don't have any recollection of a lot of it, the process. I, I know people were coming and going. I had, I had roommates and it was like one of those weird, if you sped up the montage where, you know, people were going about their days, you know, you saw two roommates 
you know, getting ready for work, having coffee, and me just sitting on a couch with the half gallon of vodka and the tomato juice and the horseradish and the lime juice and the celery and the salt and the pepper and the Worcestershire and all that. And then like, you know, you see them come home from work. I'm still sitting there. More of the vodka is gone, but, you know, and there's you know, maybe some other vegetables, you know, and then like another day goes by and they're up for work and I'm like sitting there, there's less vodka. And obviously there's, you know, maybe a half eaten sandwich and some other things. It was just, it was like that, just non-movement and days rushing by until the vodka was gone. And, uh, and then I guess at that point I, I would be sleeping on the couch uncomfortably, perhaps in my pants. Gary Goldman is on the show tonight. Go to my uh, website if you want to see the tour dates. Very excited. Albany tomorrow. It's going to be great. Me and Mike Lawrence. Me and Mike Lawrence in D.C. Following weekend. Boston. Good times. Enough said. Let's talk to Gary Goldman. Well, what movies are your movies? I mean, what movies do you base your life on or the, your your understanding of movies on? Jeez. Uh, the movies I've watched the most are probably Broadway Danny Rose, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Goodfellas. Right? Yeah. Me too. And uh, Exactly. Not, I, I'll watch Broadway Danny Rose if it's on, but I'll actually go out of my way to watch Crimes and Misdemeanors maybe yeah. once a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll watch uh, Goodfellas whenever it's on, even if it's dubbed. Yes. I'll watch it. Yeah. Even if it's on, yeah. you know, the movie channel and fucking yeah. I don't and, care. Yeah. And Annie Hall, uh Diner. I haven't watched Diner in many years. Oh my god, Mark. It's 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 yeah, it's really great. I'm not comfortable with the word nuance. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the coolest thing. That's what that's where I discovered Paul Reiser. Me too. And yeah. I loved him. Loved him. And he I, stole that that movie, including the sort of roast type thing that he does at the at the wedding. I, I went and oh, sought God, him I out at the that. comic strip oh, when really? I was in college. Because <gasps> like, I saw that. I, Diner came out when I was probably a senior in high school. And like that guy was like, But you really had to be hip to know about that movie. No. I mean, I came out. Really? Yeah. No, it was I, a, I just remember it was, it was one of my friends, when it came out, I guess I was a 12 or something. My friend's older brother was a movie fanatic yeah and and he had it on vhs and he loaned it to me and uh, and that got a real release yeah, i mean it was okay. it was a real movie i mean you yeah. know but uh yeah but i i thought riser was hilarious oh and my I was, god i think we're the same guy you and me the same type of jew because <laughs> you you just listed all the movies that i'll watch oh that's cool what other what, what music do you listen to uh well, what, what did you grow up with are you like a springsteen person are you a beatles person are you a stones person i'm, a, I'm more you? more beatles versus stones if it was yeah. beatles or stones I grateful dead beatles. at all uh not so much the dead but i love dylan yeah and that was really great listening to the the visions of joanna there. yeah oh my god on 180 gram vinyl mono it, baby it i wouldn't i wouldn't lie it was different than Ever hearing digital it. or yeah or CD? Isn't yeah. it weird? Yeah, it's like really you never weird. heard it before. Yeah, but you, how old are you? You didn't grow up with forty two. Oh, you did grow up with my some brothers. Records. My brothers had Frampton Comes Alive. I have that Boston Boston, and, the first Boston album. Yeah, and uh, more than a yes, 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 which was a, a yeah. monster. Yeah, and big, then, and then some Aerosmith stuff, and then some Doobie Brothers, and they played it on. We, we used to get a lot of hot stereos from my my uncle who was a fence. Um, so you kids hold on to this for a few weeks. <laughs> he was very generous, but nothing, this from a guy. Nothing ever had a receipt. Yeah, and he probably yeah. did some of it get taken back. Yeah, gotta, I got uh, got a buyer for this. <laughs> <laughs> there were things that if we weren't using, he would like the gumball machine. We had a set of the gumball machines that were clearly from a supermarket. Uh, oh, really? Yes. You had real gumball. Yeah, machines. they were real gumball machines. They were not thanks for the gumball Popeye gumball machines. They were legitimate stolen gumball machines there were also pinball machines that would occasionally be in my mother's really our garage for six you months just come over with like a truck that. and i leave yeah. this here for a few days yeah but they, they would it would sometimes be months and and that's uh, your mother's brother that's my mother's twin brother although uh, although he passed away this year oh he was a he was a uh you know he was a criminal he had dyslexia but at the time he was diagnosed because he, he would have been 80 this year he was diagnosed as um retarded I mean that's the the expression. That Look, used my back my then. girlfriend works with severely dyslexic, and I you know I yeah. I imagine for forever that they were were. Yeah. Uh, so he was. So 
not institutionalized, but he went to a separate school and everything, and they thought he was just uh, he was a r- real problem. And it and, turns and out he really found his way. He and, really did. He was a survivor. Shit. This guy, he could really, he could really get over. He could really get over. And he, and who he was had he a lot fencing of, for? Uh, criminals in Charlestown. It seemed like we, had, we had we had a lot of aunts and, and uh, fake uncles who who had Charlestown addresses, and occasionally. They, she would put the, there was this one mother who was sort of the Ma Barker of Charlestown and she would put her kids on a bus to his home in the South Shore and they would lay low for a little while he was uh, were they part he, was, of he the, never uh, spent time in, in jail or anything but like were that. they part of Whitey's uh, no, I don't. Th- no, I don't think so. Time. These, yeah, these were small-time crooks. Yeah, they, Jews. Was, uh, no, no, they were uh, they were Italians, and uh, they were the bastard children of a friend who he had grown up with. Who who had he just had one name. I don't know if I can say it, but he only had one name. Yeah, and uh, he he fought a lot of uh, fights for my for my uncle. Uh, my my uncle was a very entertaining man. I guess. Yeah. Wow, and he had what two older brothers? I have I have two older brothers. Yeah, sisters? No, no, no sisters. It's good to have the older brothers though for the music alone. How much older? Uh, Thirteen years and nine years. Holy shit! Yeah, so, so you were, were like they oh. were more like fathers. But it, that's sort of like uh, that's wild. So you were nine years old when your bro- your your nearest brother was eighteen. Yeah, so they were mostly in college while I was growing up. So I was pretty much an only child. Was that sad though? Did you see them leave, or one was already gone? It was. Uh, what the it hell? It was incredibly sad. <laughs> it was so lonely in in that house because my my you know my mother is not uh, an active. She was probably rather depressed growing up because my father left really young. But the the point is is that uh, yeah it was it was really sad because there wasn't a lot of life in the in the house. And, and I was wondering about were, that yeah. with with kids who who have that big of a difference between yeah their closest siblings because like. Like I talked to Jack White and literally there's like seven or eight years between him and the other six or five. So that means like by the time he was like eight, he had to watch like four of them leave. Yes. And I didn't fucking put that together with him. And it's been driving me nuts because I would have liked to have asked him what that feeling was like. Yeah. Can I remember my, you know, they would come home in the summer, but then they had girlfriends who had spent a lot of time with the girlfriends. And you were like the kid that's like, this is my kid brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was pretty precocious. You had to be. Because the, the only way you could get any FaceTime was to to really be interesting and <laughs> and, and funny and and yeah. rather smart. So, but it also put me in a weird position where the kids my age were were sort of immature to me, and it, and it, it was hard to it was hard to fit in with. Well, yeah, with well, them. Well, I know, yeah. I know, I know that feeling. They they sort of like I'm uh, I'm going to appeal to the adults. Yes, and like, <laughs> and it, but what's weird is in retrospect when you meet that kind of kid, you know, you kind of you kind of see the kindred spirit thing. It's like I know where you're coming from and. Wow, it's really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was exactly like you, and I wish it. I hope it goes okay for you. Yeah, tough road from here. Yeah, what, what town did you grow up in? Uh, Peabody, Massachusetts. Peabody. Yeah, just on the North Shore next to Salem. I, I, I it came up again. I saw Peabody earlier today because I was looking. Some guys doing a book tour, and it said Peabody. And I know I've been to Peabody. Yeah, there's a great I Barnes and Noble there. Oh, that's why he's going up there. Yeah, next to the North Shore Mall. I knew a girl. I dated a girl in college. I think she might have been from Marblehead, though. Oh, ooh, wealthy Jewish. No. Really? Her name was Lisa Deschamps. Not Jewish? No. Wealthy? No, I don't think so. Wow. Kind of a crazy redhead. I think she went on to become a nurse. Uh, Yeah, BU. Yeah, I went to BC. What kind of Jew goes to BC? Um, I'm sorry. I got a a football scholarship. Sometimes I make a Jewy. I apologize. (laughs) I've got a Jewish jock in here. Gary Goldman is here. So I... You know, this is a rare thing for me to talk to a Jewish jock. Yeah, there aren't many. No, it's like when you're growing up and even before my generation, like Sandy Koufax, that was it. You can't talk to a Jew about baseball for 60 seconds without bringing up Sandy Koufax. Oh my God. And also, I didn't realize this, but in the early 1900s or 1920s, there were a lot of Jewish boxers. Yes, yes. You talk to my father for a second. He'll tell you all the Jewish boxers. Oh, really? Boxers. My, my, my father professed himself a, an amateur boxer growing up. I guess he boxed in the Navy or something like that. He grew up in the Bronx, so he, uh-huh. he knew how to handle himself. He, uh-huh. he never taught me how to handle myself with my fists, but he was. Uh, he has a lot of old fight stories and boxing. And Yeah, he's an old Jewish bull. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That's that's his identity. Are the folks married? Uh, no, no. They divorced when I was uh, one and a half. Holy shit. So yeah. there, you got one parent and two brothers that are out. So it's yeah. just you and your mom? Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, it's. I always think about that nature nurture argument about the, how they used to say that an overbearing mom could cause a gay, yeah. a gay son. Yeah, and there's there's just no way. Are you sure? Gary? I should. Well, <laughs> so far. <laughs> I, I can, there's still I, time, I, Gary. I could Todd Glass it right here. Yeah. If you if you talk to a gay man, he'll say you're on you're on the cusp. You know, you just, <laughs> it's only a matter of time, my friend. Right. What'd your mom do? Uh, my mom started off. She was uh, she worked at a stationery store. At the mall. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was a Hallmark store. And and she took off to her brother a little bit because to this day, I do not have to buy uh, birthday cards or any kind of greeting cards because she has a drawer. That stockpiled, she, huh? That she stockpiled after years of working there. And they're so dated. They're from the 70s so and she, 80s. She left it. But oh, she was really? pilfering. Yes. Like there's disco balls on them. How, <laughs> how, 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 are, how are Hallmark cards they dated? Just, the, well, the thing is, is that the peanuts still hold up. If, if it has sure. Snoopy or something on that, they yeah. still hold up. Right. Probably vintage, but there, but there are a certain style. Ziggy is no longer available. I don't think they make greeting cards with Ziggy, but she still has a. a My brother Ziggy loves Ziggy greeting it, cards. Nothing went well for Ziggy. So miserable. He was so miserable. <laughs> Ziggy was, uh, you know, it was like uh, he was like Rodney Dangerfield's inner child. Ziggy was, yeah, softer, gentler Rodney without the coke. Uh, oh, issues, Rodney! Right. Well, the funny thing about about you is that, well, outside of your stand up, is that we didn't come up together. I never really knew you that well. No, we'll we'll be one of the few WTFs where there's no. Uh, yeah, let's just let bygones be bygones. There'll be none of that. No, I remember. In fact, I only have wonderful, encouraging relations with you. It's always been good, and we met at a crossroads in our life. Well, not met. No, but it's weird. We, we met. hung out at 2009 Montreal Comedy Festival. That's right. You were. You were. Yeah. You were at a crossroads. You yeah. were like you had. Uh, you had bought a farm or something. I had bought a farm uh, <laughs> with a uh, for a fiance, and she uh, at that point. You were the person who who, who settled it down for me. I said uh, she wants ten thousand dollars to move out, and you said uh, you got off easy. Give it to her. <laughs> and and uh, I wrote a check within a, within a week, and uh, and I, I was free and clear. Yeah. I mean, I still had to to collect the pieces of my life and right. and move on. And I I just sold the farm this past summer at a at a tremendous loss. Uh, but uh, and I think at that time you had just started the the WTF. I, I started yeah two thousand. And we're finishing up a divorce maybe. Yep. And and I saw you at the I saw you do that one man show. Yep. Which was it was amazing. Ugh. I loved that. That was like heart wrenching. Ring of Fire. Yeah, I yeah. opened with Ring of yeah, Fire. That was beautiful. It's so funny that like when you tell me the advice I gave you, that is so like a weird hardened. But reasonable thing. Yes, and yeah. I, I could ju- tell just by the earnestness. You didn't think about it. You didn't. You didn't. Well, you could go one. Just pay her. <laughs> just pay her. It was a smack in the face, which I needed, because th- there's there's part of me that, like I, I always say that that Jew, uh, Christians have an angel and a devil on their shoulders to guide right. them, and Jews we have five thousand years of our our family on our shoulders, which sometimes looks like a devil. T- yes, <laughs> rarely <laughs> well, does it. Th- th- manifest you got off it. easy with the devil. Yes. The devil would be would be much easier. He's he's very coherent but ten thousand dollars where do you get off giving ten thousand dollars it was to get my mom's ring back that was she was holding my mom's engagement ring hostage hostage and uh you know of course after i told my mom what i went through to get the ring back she said, oh you should have just let her have it said, oh thanks thanks oh my god oh that is but so I, funny but had i had i let her keep it. My mom would have never do it ever see her. Oh, you her. can't win. You can did you, the right there's thing. There's no way you can win. Yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I brought the. You did the right my, thing. My mother has a memory. Do you still use your Atari? Yeah. <laughs> we spent two hundred twenty dollars for that at Sears. Yeah, she would have. You would have never heard the end of it if you would have yeah. let her abscond. Oh, these people are brutal. With the ring, no, there's no winning. You no. did the right thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. But you didn't do it for her. I no. mean, that's the thing is, or else you'd be uh, kicking yourself. You, you know, you did it. Yeah, of course. It. Yeah, the the you didn't even owe her that. And but the thing was is like, do you want this to be done? Do you, right. you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. When do you think the first time you came out here was? Um, you were probably still with Barry, right? Yeah, I moved out here in in two thousand because I had a, a development deal. That's at right. Fox. So that's when I met you, and, and like yeah. I'd never seen you before, and I just saw this, you know, this big charming Jew, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy oh, now? Great. <laughs> I'm at, I'm at the point where I get that now, where I see where I see Pete Holmes, and I want to uh, hang myself. He's, 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 he's so wonderful. Uh, oh, really? Uh, okay. No, I, I adore him, but he's like so young, and I'm just like, oh, that yeah. was me once. Yeah, it was you. That's true. <laughs> I, was the, I was the new flavor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the the thing I wanted to say is that 
we we may not have uh, any beefs or or, or or spend time with each other, but the the interesting thing is is you're going to do the live WTF in Boston, yes, and you grew up with all those guys, and I started yeah. with all the same guys that you did. Oh, okay. so you were doing like. I started my career doing one-nighters, opening for Cybell, opening for Dougherty, opening for, uh, who was the guy that died? Oh, Dave Fitzgerald. Dave Fitzgerald, opening for George McDonald, for Mike McDonald, for Warren McDonald, for all the fucking McDonald's. Opening for, <laughs> for, uh, opening for Gavin, opening for Sweeney, opening, I started with Joe Yannetti. Wow. Like, I mean, like, so all the dudes that were old dudes yeah. when you were coming on were the dudes that I started with in terms of opening for them. They were already headliners. Yeah. But but so you're you know you were a DJ Hazard Teddy Bergeron I fucking drove those guys places I fucking I, I will say this is that I had an easier time I think because I, I hear stories like I, I've been I've been opening for for Louis some on the, on the road and he tells stories of those guys and they could be really really abrupt and and mean and I think it was sort of like I was the youngest child in in a family so that by the time I came around they had mellowed and they were very encouraging sweet they were all sober so there was a, there was none of, <laughs> yeah. there was none of that problem right. where they would fly off Often, in some cases, I remember there's a story of Lenny Clark punching Billy Martin in the in the face. At, that's a famous against story. Yeah. Sam's, yeah, that famous story. So they they kind of uh, sort of embraced me and took me under their wing. Also, probably because they were they were older themselves and were like, well, that that whole thing. That's where true. Because we, we haze the young guys is is over. Well, I don't even know if it was hazing. I just think they were hungry and and you know it was really uh, I think for a lot of them like you know how do you get out. Yeah. And, and can you get out? Right. And do you leave? You, you know, because I remember, you're right, though. When I was opening for them, they were probably all right in their prime. Yeah. You know, like Lenny had, uh, he had moved to L.A. already, you know, but and he was out right. here. Uh, but he hadn't gotten his big deal yet. Kenny Rogerson had already, you know, fucked up something. Uh, you know, but he was like, he was right there. I was around when he did his first Letterman. Wow. Like in that stuff. I was there when Bobcat Goldthwait uh, left like he had a garage sale at Stitches. Oh my God! And and left. Uh, I remember starting. Like, what did he sell at the garage sale? Do you remember any of those? I don't remember. Was it, it was bizarre? kind of funny though. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was it's a hilarious. Funny, it was a funny idea. I was in college at that time. I hadn't started doing comedy yet, but I remember being there. Dave Cross was at Emerson, wow. and I just met him, and we were kind of hanging around trying to do open mics and stuff. And the guys who I started with, like Jonathan Groff. Um, Fitzsimmons was a little later. Louis started after me, but okay. he like when I went back, Noxie was wow. you know, around. God uh, rest his soul. He he was yeah. wonderful. And uh, like I remember when Dana Gould before he left for San Francisco, he must have been like eighteen or nineteen. I heard he was like a, a prodigy, like a phenom. Yeah, yeah, he Boston. still is kind of. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But they, but but the old guard. I mean, I don't know what experience you have, but when I started. There really wasn't any alternative comedy. No. And, and when I went back, you know, after I went to L.A. for a year and then I came back and I started to, I did the, the riot and came in second. And, but I was hanging Who'd out. Who'd you come in second to? Sue McGinnis. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, um, but there was Catch Rising Star. And at that time, you know, it was Louie and Cross and Janine yeah. and everybody. But then there was also everything else. Boston regional comedy. Yeah. So working for Barry and those guys, like a lot of the guys I was at, at Catch With couldn't work Knicks and stuff, but no. I would work Knicks. So I was this weird crossover act. Very rare. There were yeah. only a few, yeah. Right, and I would go out on the road with these guys and do the one-nighters with uh, Santa Rally and all these guys. Oh. And... Um, it was a trip. That was that was how I broke in. Was going to that basement in Austin yeah. where Barry had his office and picking up my directions. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my God! Now bring back a check for five thousand dollars. Yeah, you no, can take a hundred. Yeah, well, they, no, he wouldn't even say that. I'd <laughs> oh, be how much I'm getting paid. They're like seventy five dollars, yeah. and they pay. Yeah, but there was no MapQuest or nothing. You had to go to Alston <laughs> to get your check, and also to get your fucking direction sheet to drive who the fuck to Peabody oh. to do. Uh, well, they probably had a gig there. Speaking of a map quest, I, I want to admit something. I uh, I took a dry run today, which is something I hadn't done since <laughs> since I tried out for the Bay State games to get here in high school to get here because I, I, I you know I love the show and I, the the worst thing because I always hear everybody come on they're like ah how do you find it it's such <laughs> bullshit like and I'm talking to you Richard Lewis this was so <laughs> this was so easy to get to Where it, you it was a, it was a breeze I'm staying at uh, Brian Kiley's house it's all right crazy. so okay so you're doing your little show. <laughs> How where'd you start? How'd that come about? I uh, mean, Nick's. I didn't. I didn't open mic at Nick's, and all you had to do was was call in and bring six people, 
which I thought this was, was after reasonable. the heyday. Oh yeah, it was it was October of ninety three, October eighth, nineteen ninety three. They they had already tried the dance club and like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So you didn't really come up in the like because later in Boston there was the uh, the comedy studio thing in Cambridge, which did not exist at all. That alt comedy. There's a whole generation of guys that came out of Rick Jenkins place. Like, I took Rick, Rick Jenkins class at at. Um, Brookline High or something like that. He he taught a class uh, when I was when I was twenty two or twenty three, and uh, but he didn't have the comedy studio I think until like ninety seven or uh-huh. ninety six or something like well, that. Well, let's go back. So you yeah. you're like okay. So you're a kid. You're all alone. You and your mom. Your brothers pop in occasionally. Yes. You got along with your old man, or you didn't? Uh, he would come on Sundays, and we we would have a, we would have a nice time. We would watch movies. We would watch uh, the Patriots lose. He, he would sit in the house. With your mother my, in the other room? Yeah, my mother actually, uh, God love her, she was like a saint because, you know, he left her. He he had an affair and and that was that. Did he stay with that woman? Uh, no, no. <laughs> he, he, he married somebody else who, who, was, who was a very wonderful woman, thank God, because she really mellowed him. He was, yeah. a, he was, a, he was a really tough character. And then- uh, Like but, how? Uh, he was very strict, and I remember I would be what's the what's the word inspected on Sunday when she, when he would come, and I I always thought this was a normal thing for every kid, but my nails would be inspected to make sure they were they were clean. Like a, the other day, I saw a scrub brush at a Rite Aid, and it brought back these memories. I hadn't used a scrub brush in in thirty since your dad thirty seven years since or your something. Dad made you? Yeah, because he he was concerned about my nails, and then how I'd uh, put on my socks and and all these things. Was, was that about was, you, or is that about your mother's parents? Skills. It was absolutely about my mother's parenting skills and him trying to undo all the the lackadaisical mothering that my mother had done all week. I had no bedtime. There were there were no there were no things. And so I I remember the the main reason I I wouldn't have wanted my parents to be together was because the bedtime when I stayed at my dad's very rarely was uh, like eight thirty. It was it was so ridiculous. your mother like it, she had, she had raised your two brothers and she was done. She was done. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. She was she, there was not going to be a lot of a lot of effort put into into this one i kind of i kind of raised myself and i had a i had a million hobbies and there was plenty and of clothing around it was all hand-me-downs yeah, right exactly uh, yeah and and luckily i was tall fast so yeah things started to fit around eighth or eighth or ninth grade for my brothers who were in in college and then they, you outgrew everything and then i outgrew everything and, and then i just started like wearing the, sweatpants the, the and the every day <laughs> <laughs> yeah because my brothers are like five Five ten and and six feet even, and I'm six foot six, so it was uh, what the fuck. I outgrew them very quickly. Are you taller than both Uncle your Nor- parents? Uncle Norman was a giant. Oh, okay. Uncle Norman was, was six there ever five the, the concern and four hundred fifty that... pounds. Oh, really? Yeah. That's who your yeah. father's brother? Uh, no, that's uh, that's, oh, that's the fence. That's, the that's fence? my mother's twin brother. The yeah. dyslexic fence. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, Uncle Norman, who so also had a, was, he had a horrific swearing problem. It wasn't Tourette's. He just called everybody so he a was, cocksucker and a motherfucker. So it was, and, it was, he yeah. was dyslexic, but people thought he was mentally retarded, and he was a giant. Yeah. So yes. it was like it he was, was a like giant a Jewish was, a Jewish Lenny loud. from Mice and Men. Yes, but yeah. he was loud and and clever. Yeah, he was sort of like had the personality of George from Mice and Men, but the body of of, of Lenny. Of Lenny. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was but, my but, my brother used to call him Fagan. Because uh, he would hire the kids in in the neighborhood to uh, do um, you know landscaping and all these things around, and he would pay them off with a lot of stolen <laughs> stolen goods, candy, and all these things. He wear those was... gloves with no fingers. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's all I remember from Fagan. It was Ron yeah. Ron Moody, right, in the original yeah, Oliver yeah, yeah. with the gloves with no fingers. Oh I God. love those. I have them. I buy gloves with. They're no the fingers. hippest gloves you can the have. My best. girlfriend has a pair. Yeah. Oh, they're the yeah. best. Yeah. All right. So, was there any concern that perhaps you had? acromeglia or something or that you're like i don't know what acromeglia is rondo hatton acromeglia is gigantic oh no 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 and i didn't have marfan syndrome either which which killed the uh famous volleyball player flo hyman in about 1985 you heard about it yeah i'd heard about marfan syndrome which was what you just didn't stop growing you didn't stop growing and also there was a hole in your aorta and oh, things like yeah, that yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. but there was gigantism with Andre the Giant had which was That's involved, I think. yeah tunnel vision and yeah. things like that so I didn't I didn't have any of that but no one thought you did at some point like because you grew so quickly it, that you're a Jew re- that would have required them uh, having some concern over my well-being because I was also incredibly uh, depressed growing up and they, they that wasn't a thing that you noticed back then I no guess, you can't because, look at under yeah. someone's brain and <laughs> yeah. scrub that out with right. a brush yeah yeah yes <laughs> Yeah. No, no one looked in your head. Yeah. 
But yeah. oh, so your mother was negligent, or or she just uh, more I your buddy? I wouldn't say she was what? negligent, but yeah, she was a, she was a buddy, and she would take me to movies that were you know rated R and things like that. It was sort of That's like that almost need. that almost famous kid, yeah, where the, where he was just raised among adults, and I I was like friendly with my mom's friends who were forty year old women. It was it was very bizarre. Is that how you lost your virginity? <laughs> no. No, I, I lost it to an to an actual woman my age. Oh, the, you know, no good time. stories. Yeah. But you've kind of, you must have wanted to have sex with some of your mom's friends. Uh, no, there wasn't a single one. <laughs> my, my, I mean, my mom. I was born when my mom was thirty eight. Uh, right. So oh, okay. all our friends so were, were sixty. Were, uh, yeah. Okay. Were, were right. That wouldn't yeah. be yeah. right. Yeah. There was no, there was no interest. I yeah. I I didn't. Is she still uh, around? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I I was there uh, for Thanksgiving. Still last in week. Peabody. She still is in Peabody. And, and your dad too. Um, my dad lives at the VA in, uh, in Bedford. He, uh-huh. he, uh, he had diabetes, so he had his, uh, part of his leg amputated uh-huh. and, uh, yeah, but he's, he's actually been pretty good with it. He's, yeah. he's a real survivor. Yeah. He's a, he's a, uh, he's a really religious, uh, but knows nothing about Judaism. He, he really can't remember sure. anything, but he is constantly knocking he's just superstitious he's uh-huh. constantly thanking god for it's it's i can't get over jews and their ability to it could be worse everything away well it could be worse like you lost your leg <laughs> dad it could i could i could be dead you know there, there's That's no a, limit to it i, I guess it's it's a, admirable, it's a much much better why isn't he angry at god because he's made it i mean yeah. how old is he 86 what do you, what, what's he got to be <laughs> I, mean, you I guess do, you're right. You can't do much better than that. It's true. You know, he's, he, it's true. He, but the, he, he, we're Ashkenazis, yeah. so he's got another 14 years left, mm. uh, according to according to a recent New Yorker article. That's good. Yeah, he's 86, and and um, yeah, he's doing he's doing pretty good. He's he's still the same feisty competitive. You go visit him over person. there. I do. Whenever I'm in town, I go visit and. This time he wasn't talking to. He had a best friend there who was another man of eighty-five years old named Vito. But Vito was—he wasn't cheating at gin. He was just uh, lying about what the score had been uh-huh. between in games. And, that, and yeah. so my father hadn't talked to him for for months because of the, because my father's so goddamn competitive. It's just—it's ridiculous. They well, don't that, change. Well, I mean, maybe that's what's kept him go. going. I guess so. Is is it like you know? I'm not going to die until yeah. that fucking guy <laughs> dies. Yeah, he's trying to outlive he's, these he's nuts. out of spite. Yes. <laughs> That's what that. What do you attribute your survival to? Spite. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that guy. It's as good a motivator as any. Believe me, it drove most of, most of my life was driven by spite. I, I've, I've cut back on it. Cut I, back on this. I can completely understand that. There's a there's you a don't seem like that kind of guy. No, no, no. I I I, I hold grudges and slights like a like a bench vice. I really. But competitive was your dad competitive with you? No, no. Well, I think good, my oldest. He was gone. I think my oldest brother <laughs> is very competitive with me, athletically and and. Uh, but you're career-wise. What is he? Yeah, but he was he was one of those uh, really driven athletes who, who was really aggressive. And, and you probably had a lot of natural ability. Yes, and he used he to say have. this. Oh, if I had your height, if I had your height, was this lamentation <laughs> of his of his life. Don't want to write just, a book called that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was, it was just so sad. Uh, it was so sad because I, I had these athletic gifts, but I, I really was not, uh, I didn't have a dominant personality. So I was able driven. to, I was not driven at, at all. And I, I actually resisted the, the, uh, the combat. Well, what did, what did he end up doing? He's a, he's a millionaire CPA. So he did all right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a work- workaholic, you know, so he yeah. really, uh, yeah. he was very driven. But we were we were really poor, so I I admire that aspect. And of what's the, the other of one? His do? life. He uh he went into the business my father had, which was interior decorating, and and he uh, runs that company now. What for design or furniture wholesale? Uh, curtains. He installs um, uh, blinds. So he's got he one of those. Uh, it's almost like the aluminum siding business. Yeah, he's a commission a, sales. It's he's a got classic. A, Eastern European Jewish thing that so he's got guys that are wallpaper hanging. So is he the uh, he's the wholesaler and he's got guys who are going out and working on commission or no 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 he installs the drapes and the and the blinds himself. So he's the guy. Yeah. And he's yeah. got all the deals. You go, you go, and you go to a store, and you can see the different treatments. Yeah, yeah. That, he right. has a store where you can see all the treatments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, <laughs> how do you know that? Yeah, because I mean, it's yeah. a, you know, these my are... father used to be the guy who went to the people's houses with books and fabric and examples and right in the car and, and helped them pick it out. But he worked for his uncles. It was a very Willie Loman existence yeah. for him. It was very, it, it was very sad. I, I always, I always felt bad for my dad because he hated this job. But he, and then my brother went in, into it, and he, he, I think he bought out my uncles or something. 
Oh, so right. Yeah. So it was a big business. So your dad yeah. was a salesman for your uncle. He was a salesman for his for his uncles, who who by his the way, uncle. because the, because the Europeans had so many kids, these uncles were only like a year or two older than my than my dad. Right. Yeah. Like, but what he was he one of those guys that had tried other things and he just kind of he worked for an investment uh, place called the IDS uh-huh. that he talks about. These were like the salad days. He refers to it at the time when he was a fat city. Yeah. But the best I can recollect it is he probably this probably lasted for about two or three years yeah it was probably like the reagan 80s where everybody was kind of well off for right for three or four years so those were the the glory days yeah these were the salad days and and he and he might have had a he might have had some fur on his coat or something like that yeah yeah. but they were short-lived and they were undone by the divorce i think that was the that that seems to be the demarcation point between between living large so did you see uh, any similarities between the albert brooks character and your father from uh, the the nar- from from, uh, from the movie from uh, from forty from uh, well, the there's show. a there's a narcissism to to my father that I I, I kind of saw in Albert Brooks and that the the entire world revolved around his needs and and everything and the and the fact that my my father remarried a, a couple of times and was and but my father was very old school and the wife cooked and cleaned and all these things and he was just very uh, isn't it weird though touch. that nor- that narcissism thing is that like as a kid. You sort of have your father framed a certain way, yeah. and like you know, like you know, you hear about the salad days, or you, yeah, like yeah, yeah. he presents it like you know, like everything that he is. These are because of choices he made, and you're sort yeah. of proud of him. Yes. And then you, all of a sudden, you get old enough, and you get a few miles on you, and you're like, oh my god, he's not, it's not half the guy I thought he was. <laughs> There's moment. that saying that I think it's attributed to Twain about he never realized how smart his father was until he got older. It was the exact opposite for me. I. <laughs> I never realized how how simple my father was, and he was a a decent person. But he was he was his his vocabulary was not very strong, and and also, you know, things that we just take for granted now about yeah. leaving a job and and looking for a, either a better one or one that you're you're happy at. My father never even never even considered it, and it was just uh, and he and he went from one wife to to the next and things well, that like that. He couldn't, thing. Be, he couldn't be alone. Right. And he he was, you know, he didn't really have a mother growing up, so he was yeah. probably always searching for a, a mother yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, looking back on it. I always say that they they did a good job for what they had to as as role models as far as parents. Yeah, they but, did what they could. Yeah. They didn't do the best they could. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you yeah. you got out. You, you, you didn't get beat up too bad. <laughs> yeah, you? yeah. Yeah, and you I, made you yeah, made something for yourself. Degree. I have a job I love, so that that's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, what what was the football scholarship? So you played in high school? Were yeah, you but in... I only played one one year in in high school. But you made a mark, apparently. I, I really did. I, what was I, your position? I, I was a tight end. Uh huh. So so pretty much they they didn't pass that much. They would pass four or five times a game. Everybody was so much smaller than me, so I would I would just run over the middle and I would <laughs> I would catch it and then. Uh, you were a genius. There's a there's a photo that I that I have of like three or four guys. The defensive back from maybe five seven, five yeah. eight. I was six foot six, two hundred fifty five pounds as a seventeen year old, and so they they it would took two or three of them to tackle me, but I. I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't fight back or anything like that. I, I, I just, I had very good hands. I could jump high, yeah. and I could run fast. And you chose football over basketball because there were, at that time, there were ninety-five football scholarships at, in a in a college. So each year, twenty-five would become available. Whereas basketball, each year, maybe three. Sometimes only two would become available. So, so this was, was really a survival thing. You, your, your parents probably couldn't have necessarily couldn't have afforded afford college. No, I would have gone to. My brothers both went to University of Massachusetts on on aid, um, which at that time was incredibly generous in Massachusetts. It was before in Amherst? two and a half. Yeah, UMass Amherst. Uh-huh. It was before the the tax cuts and everything like uh-huh. that. So it was it was a lot easier to go. And then, uh, so I, I got to go to a private college, but that was that was. But that's of. what you were gunning for. It wasn't that you had any passion for sports necessarily. No, I was, was just, just a really good student, out. and I couldn't. Yeah, my ticket out of the ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> the, the ghetto, Jewish ghetto of your mother's house. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which. Um, yeah, which was a, a, a life. How many years did you play at BC? I, I played two seasons, and then they wanted to switch me to offensive line, which was just. There's there's just no there's no way I could have carried the weight that that requires and and also the 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 concussions and everything like that I I hate I hated playing so offensive you, line you, you said no yeah so I I uh, I just st- they also had a new coach so I stopped playing and then um, I was able to get a lot of aid and some some grants because of my situation and I had very good grades so um, they they were incredibly generous with me there that's great and also yeah. they were happy to have a Jew yeah. <laughs> We've got one. 
Yeah. <laughs> Back it, off. Yeah. I was I was living in Chestnut Hill, which is a very Jewish place sure. amongst Catholics. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I guess there's a few Jews there. So that's great. So yeah. then you, you, you did great in school. You did all this stuff, and you squandered it. <laughs> I did. By pursuing a career in show business. Yeah. Well, I worked at Pr- Price Waterhouse, uh, Cooper's, and Librand for about a year and a what half do they after even college. Do? They're CPAs. Yeah, but why, why, why are they in charge of the Oscar box? Oh, they just uh, are, are fair counters. They, oh, they really the know how, yeah, they know how to add and, and subtract and they're, and they're trustworthy. Okay, so that's yeah. it. That's what they're yeah. known for. Yeah, but, but uh, even if you had that account, that job would be incredibly tedious and boring. Of course. I know. Yeah. I, I, I know a an, uh, who, uh, got another friend who started in accounting and yeah. went into stand-up. Russ Maneve. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I know Russ. He's a great guy. Yeah, he, yeah. he bailed on the accounting life. Oh, it was brutal. Well, why'd you go? Because your brother did? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> my brother that got, seemed to work for yeah, him. My brother got married at 25, so I thought I would get married at 25. And then when I didn't, I was like, oh my gosh. You just wanted entire... to beat him in every angle. It wasn't so much. It was just a pathway that I knew would right, work. Right. Like he, seemed, he seemed happy. Right. Yeah. So, you, so you, what, you took accounting in college? Yeah, I took accounting. Hated it. But hated you... it, but it was the only career that people were getting jobs in at that time. It was right before um, Clinton's uh, miracle happened in... I graduated in '93, so the the only kids I knew who were getting jobs out of college were, which is a so such a stupid reason to study something. But no, what do you mean? That's but 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 I I don't know. Very Jewish thinking. Yeah, the education is important. You need to get a job with college because now nobody fucking. It it seems like college degrees are important, but no one. I was very nonspecific about mine. I never thought about working because I was brought up in an entitled household. But you were brought up. I was brought up in upper middle class Jews. Yeah. My dad was a doctor. Right. I wanted to express myself and fucking you know you know read books and direct plays and act and shit. Yeah. And my parents were like, "Great, go ahead." Really? Yeah. There was never that impending doom of like you got to eat. Yeah. That that's what I had. That I have that now. In fact, <laughs> but it, you grew but into it, that. Yeah, yeah, I grew into that because they they squandered most of what they have on some level. There's no, you know, I'm not that I'm expecting them to bail me out, yeah. but. God forbid anything bad happens. There's not a much. There's not a lot there. There's, not, there's no big payoff. Well, my my brother slash father, the oldest one, was was very clear when I wanted to go into stand up. He said, uh, "Well, that's great, but you know, you can't make a living at it." And that was that. It was all that. that and then you said, "Can I borrow a little money?" <laughs> I never, uh, luckily, I never had to to borrow because it would have been it would have been like that scene in Diner where Kevin Bacon has to confront his older brother to to borrow money for. Mickey Rourke, yeah. and he's like, I, I hate you, and yet I'm here. Yeah. Give me some money, Howard. <laughs> but I always thought that that was a better relationship with his brother than I have, because I couldn't be that honest with my brother, and I couldn't ask him for any money. I can't I, remember. Did he give him the money? He didn't. No, no, no. no. He, t- he told him that uh, he, his... Uh, his uh, trust fund was making him very lazy, and he's uh, oh great, one hundred fifty dollars a month is making me lazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 right. Yeah, I forgot that part. So you never. So what, now you graduated from BC, and you did the yeah. fucking accounting thing for two years. Yeah, but I was doing the, I was doing the the open mics at at night, and and living that life until whenever they put you on. It, it was kind of exciting because it was like I was staying up till two o'clock in the morning waiting to get on at some some shithole and then getting up. I had this double life and it was it was exciting. I was coming in late to work. It was the, it was the first time I had rebelled ever ever since I was a little kid. I just followed the rules and everything. So yeah, it was, so that it was, was it. It was kind of exciting. I was yeah, such a yeah. bad bad kid. And when did you uh, <laughs> when did you bail on the job? Um, I bailed on the job about a year and a half in, and then I got a job as a Starbucks barista. And then I worked as a substitute teacher at my old high school. And it was the perfect timing because a lot of my old teachers were still working in the building. And I got to see them from the other side. I got to sit in the, the teacher's lounge with them. And I realized that all my favorites were clearly mentally ill. They were, they were either bipolar or you know had some schizophrenic leanings. But they were so entertaining when I had been there. And by that time, the, the system had had really beaten them down. Anybody with any kind of a personality at the school had, they get had either so, taken the early retirement yeah, or, or- Just cynical. Yeah. They, there was one guy who they just had relegated to being the, the person who took care of the kids who were in something called in-school suspension. Yeah. He just looked at, after them. He didn't really teach a class, but he was a, he used to dress up as Casey on, on the opening day of baseball yeah. every year and, and act out Casey at the bat. And it, it was very exciting, but, but uh, clearly <laughs> he was, he was unhinged. Yeah. He, he would have an unlit cigar every day in, in class the whole time. He was just uh he was a real throwback. That's so weird. So you're in the teacher's lounge. Yeah. 
with these people. And that, you could still smoke back then, so that was that was exciting to see them them smoking. Yeah, and it was always weird to see your teachers yeah. be people. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? They were, yeah, they were they were real humans. And for some reason, even though I was being paid forty five dollars a day and doing open mics and and you know those gigs you do for Dick Doherty where you drive four hours to make $25 Gary doing, well, you, yeah. you, you're very funny <laughs> but you, you're green <laughs> yeah exactly he said to me you know what your problem is you're insecure really mm-hmm. that's that's a code word you're yeah. Jewish yeah is it? yeah that's what your problem he is he was a character so uh, so you, you kicked around up there and you built out until you you could headline or to just middle? No, I never I never headlined. What what happened was I did the Montreal Comedy Festival in 1999. As a new face. Yeah, which was like the last year that Wait, they were giving Barry had development the, deals. You became what? Barry's guy? You, how did you hook up with Barry Katz? I hooked up with Barry Katz. I, d- I did an audition. He must have thought you were kindred spirits because you're both tall Jews. <laughs> you, you yeah, the, but I have posture. Yeah. And you had the worst, ami- yeah, had the yeah, worst posture. Amiable sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Amicable, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I didn't work with him until later. I worked with this woman called Maureen Tarrin. Who's, I know Maureen. Who's, yeah, she's actually my manager now. now? Oh, yeah, she got out of the her. business for a while. She's, yeah. she's wonderful. So so I did an audition for her at the old Boston Comedy Club. and then In uh, New York. Yeah. And then nine months later, I, I, I or six months later, I I guess December 24th, 1998 was the last time I worked as a as a teacher. Yeah. Um. And then I just, uh, I did Montreal that summer and I got a development deal with Fox and I did Leno and Letterman and I, I, I lived off the development money. So you want, you never really headlined? Not until after, uh, last did comic standing. I, yeah, I featured for, uh, friends of mine. I, I featured for, for Dane Cook and I would go out with, with some other guys. Oh, that's and, right. You and, were in that fucking bus movie. Yeah, I was, I was in the bus movie. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. And uh, now I'm remembering. And I would headline in why in, I was resenting you. I w- <laughs> like, who the fuck I, is this guy? I would headline in Boston. Yeah, yeah, and and a few other places where they would pay you five hundred dollars and call you a call you a headliner. But it was it was I couldn't do the improvs or anything like that because I, even though I had these development deals year after year, I, I had, I mean, I'd done Leno and Letterman. But and all do you these look things, at those but, things as as debilitating in retrospect? Oh yeah. I mean, like, because, yeah. okay, so you were Dane's buddy, you were, you were in that posse, but it's very hard to be part of someone else's fucking momentum. It's hard for a comedian to be in somebody else's orbit. And that, yeah, and because you yeah. know, it's not going to help you. No. It's just, there's no way no. it's going to help you. It did because, help, I guess, because featuring for him, I got a lot of 20-minute spots, and, you know, in LA, at the, at the time, I don't know what it is now, but when I lived here... To do three or four spots in a week for eight minutes was was really the most you could. But you're ask a long. For. You're also a long form guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was very it was very difficult. So those those twenty minute spots that I was doing in front of a, a friendly audience yeah. and a full audience four or five nights a week were were very helpful. But as far as that tour goes, it was like uh, I I never felt like. Well, I knew that nobody was there to see me, and it just felt. Uh, but were they good audiences? They were great audiences. Yeah, that's a, that's, but that's cheating. It is. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I remember a couple of a couple of years ago, I did uh, the the Montreal for not the Montreal Forum, the Edmonton, whatever it was, the Edmonton Big Arena, mm-hmm. and but I also had a show at a mall in front of sixty people. I know that room. Yeah. That's the uh, that's uh, what Rick Bronson. Rick Bronson. Yeah. And and I actually preferred the sixty people because they were all there to see me, and they had the same. Or they weren't there to see anyone in particular. Yes, yes. Or just you yeah. just had to do the job. Yeah, I had to do the job. Whereas the 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 yeah, the yeah, yeah. arena people were were queued up, and and they knew where the punchline was, and they would. But let's talk about that because like sure. you, you know this is a it, it's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a few guys that I knew who uh, were in this situation. You know, I you know I I wasn't one of them to to to. Well, I mean, I had a deal, but it w- I never ever assumed that it would mean anything. You know, like I, yeah. I I I've had deals in my life, but there were a couple guys that who was your agent, Ruthann? Uh, no, no, uh, Andy Cohen at ICM. Right. Yeah. So you snagged this money. Yeah. Like I don't know how much they they juiced you, but how many deals did you have? I had uh, four in, in total. In just one after the other. Yeah. That yeah. never got. Did you ever make? Never a pilot? made a pilot, Mark. Yeah. It was. It was All right. So that's why I, would, I, I can, would write them, and, and they it would were, be so heartbreaking. And they, the, but that, it's heartbreaking. But yeah. were those deals all the same amount of money? No, they became less and less every every okay. year. Okay. All right. So, yeah. but nonetheless, that's but they a were life changing. I will say, it's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So there you were. You know, a strong feature who had no. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
who had no uh, you know real experience touring on his own right outside of regional gigs in Boston yeah. making more money than most people in this country make yes in in five years if that yeah and and it's not working out no and no. then so you go one after the other nothing gets made until like it's like well we, we can't get you another deal you've had four and they've well, all they been... stopped giving deals because the reality show took over no I get it yeah, but, yeah. but probably better off but oh definitely but like because I think I vaguely remember talking to you that you, you probably you, you hit a wall and, yeah. and you ran away yeah now you went and bought the farm with the deal money I'm assuming some oh, of no, it no 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 um 2006 I moved back to New York because I wanted to do more stand up and and it it was rebuild to to yeah. become this did, you got distracted by money yes and the possibility and of being fame. on a sitcom yeah 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 this happened to Bill Burr it happened to Kevin Hart it happened to a lot of people I I will be I, I'm I'm not saying this to sound uh sanctimonious or anything like that but I I really felt like in 97 or 98 when they were giving the deals that I thought the only guys who were really selling tickets were guys who were on TV on on sitcoms and I thought well I what I really wanted was to do more shows in front of more and more people, but I saw that a lot of people were doing that by getting uh, sitcom deals. So it's, it was the football paradigm again. Yes, completely. <laughs> if I can get in the game, yeah. I can get what I want. Yeah, but then all of a sudden there were guys who were doing it without having a, a TV series, Dane probably being the most famous one, and then in, in finally in 2006 I said, well, I, I'm much happier when I'm just doing stand-up. I don't, I don't care for all the acting classes and the auditions and yeah. everything like that, so I, I returned to, to New York to work on my... Yeah, and I, th I think to a certain extent the same thing happened with Billy Burr and, 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 and uh, little Kev, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that it turned out very well for those two. Yeah. So uh, yeah. You know, best of luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I returned in two thousand six, <laughs> and then I I met a girl, and and she uh, was a conspiracy theorist. That's always a good sign. In two thousand eight, was convinced that the market falling and and my my savings were evaporating she said we should buy a farmhouse because the world is coming to an end and i was so uh credulous that i uh that i and she frightened me and she was so convincing that i did it and uh nine months later she got very bored with renovating this farmhouse uh i was also broke from renovating the, the and, farmhouse. and i guess it became clear to both of you that yeah. the world wasn't ending it it didn't end, and that's when it and that's when all the <laughs> that's when all the trouble yeah the 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 stock market if, started to rebound. If only the world had ended. Yeah, it would, yeah. Be, yeah. It would have been a love story. It would have been perfect. We, yeah, we we would have been living off the land. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and she left me there fighting with, zombies. She left me where oh this was the other thing. You had cats, I had dogs. Right. That that my girlfriend had had bought and and left to me essentially. That was the only thing I really got in the separation. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they got me through it. I will I will say because. I had to get up for them and take care of them. Yep. Otherwise, I would just would have slept till one p.m. every day. And so you were devastated, devastated, devastated. Yeah. She so had you. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a fucking bitch, huh? It, it, life is life can be a motherfucker. It's, but, for, for everybody. But it forced me because I was so broke and I owed so many taxes that I had to go on the road that year, like forty six weeks, no so matter what, so anywhere. Be, yeah, I took every gig. And it it made me a better a better stand up doing all those hours and yeah that that was very helpful so it's amazing I what guess I'm trying to find a silver lining what the silver lining is is that the one thing that I learned after being left this time was that you you know we we get very invested and married to a delusion of <laughs> what our life should be yeah and you know there are things that happen in your life that all of a sudden shatters that. And and you are you're basically given yourself. Wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you know, like everything that you thought was going to happen, or or how you thought it was going to go, gets shattered with heartbreak of some kind. You yeah. know, whether it's it's career wise or, or or emotional wise, and and either you get bitter, which means you hold on to the delusion with no evidence <laughs> <laughs> of it ever happening. Yeah. Or you get fucking human. And you realize who you are, and you do what you need to do. Wow! Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't. I didn't think of it in such explicit terms, but I think. I think that's what what went on. Yeah, you were. You were. You were. You were. You were. Uh, you're, you're basically. You know, that's that moment where you know the, you are Gary Goldman. You're an adult, and life is hard. Welcome. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And I, I probably those development deals just put it off and deferred oh, fuck, it. Of course, yeah. Past they, all those things. Oh, and, they give you and, the delusion yeah. much larger than you yes. ever anticipated. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's fucking bitch. Yeah. These curses. They're not curses. They're, yeah. they're, 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 they're like, if you can end up with yourself. In, in a comfortable way and, you know, realize, you know, what you're capable of and what your limitations are and, and also learn, you know, maybe not to be careless with your heart or, or to, you know, or to approach that stuff differently. Yeah. I mean, you learned about, you learned about relationships, you learned about finances, you learned about, uh, you know, what you can and can't do as a performer. You learned, you know, that you, you have the, the same sort of survival instinct that your father does perhaps. Yeah. Or, you, you yeah. Know? Yeah, and, and that you know, and and that you know, that you, your brother was never gonna. You know, this is something that separates you from your family. I mean, your brother never set up his life to even in, indulge us. Who knows? You know, well, if, if God forbid something comes crashing down for him, but he insulated himself in a in a in a world that was secure. Yeah. and you made this other choice, and it broke apart, and you fucking you know you survived it. So look at you, man. Oh, You're a Jewish you. warrior. That thank you. That's that's a really nice way to. Put it. I, I forget which philosopher I had studied in in college. It might have been existentialist, yeah. or, you know, Camus or somebody. But just the idea of there never being any security. You can never have any any security. Yeah, well, you don't want to can, go too far that way either. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but but the the idea of of sure. devote. I feel like my brother devoted his entire life to being secure. You know, right. he had an insecure moment when my father left when yeah. he was fourteen or fifteen. That or was it. Never again. And he said, "Never again yeah. will he not be in control That's of right. everything." The Holocaust like that. or my father leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god yeah. yeah any of those books they make you feel so guilty for complaining about anything yeah yeah, yeah. that's the, are yeah. there nazis at your door that was yeah. the big question if there were complaints sure. in my house are there nazis at your door <laughs> no no <laughs> then but, what's wrong uh, I'm, I'm, what are you I'm, crying about because this my bike's left. broken yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh it's crazy did you ever visit the I, I always wanted to ask you this in Albuquerque New Mexico there's a, a holocaust museum no no it wasn't did, there when I was there oh okay I may I'll go back for it do I need to it I was, went to the no, big you, one you do not need to go to it it was I mean it was nice it was a nice gesture it was, it was very simple and I just my my the reason I remember it so clearly is, is because I had been paid for a week there in cash and I had probably four one hundred dollar bills in yeah. twenty yeah. and I looked too quickly and I put a hundred dollars into the uh, transparent so you, box there you, wait, for you donations. To, you want me to get it back for you? No, here's the thing. Oh, okay. It was a tremendous dilemma Yeah, at a, at a Jewish Holocaust museum to ask them to go into this thing to make change for the, for the hundred. And uh, I didn't, I didn't want to become an exhibit, so I wound up giving a uh, hundred dollars, which turned out to be like a third of my uh, my pay for the week. It put me in a, a horrible position, but I, I, um, uh, no. I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget that. But position with who? It sounds like he might be right with God. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Something you could tell your father. I, I, um, I'll tell you. I would, I don't know what your dad was like, but my dad was an Old Testament. Uh, God, my dad's confused. Yeah, he's he's and, he's married to a Latino Christian, and the last time I saw my father, he's like, I don't know, you know, this Nostradamus end time shit. Man. Really? Yeah. I, I, but he, I also remember you saying that he also wanted to build a, a roller coaster or a carnival well, that, that or something a, like that. That was yeah. a, a metaphor. Yeah. Oh, a metaphor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't exactly. All right, but uh, he yeah. had he had grand plans in so the middle he of the always night. Always has yeah. big plans. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Like how we are on too much coffee. Yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, no, but they're yeah. ridiculous. Like this is, this is, you know, how can I lose? I, you want a list? <laughs> <laughs> Go fucking, give me a few minutes. But all right, so so basically, all right, so she left, killed you. But yeah. are you level now financially? Yes, I'm. I'm finally caught up with the IRS, and and I, I sold the house. That must be a good a, feeling. At a tremendous, it's a it's a great feeling, and uh, yeah, and I, I I feel like I'm a. a I you know I've been rich and miserable rich for me which is to say I had a a, a shower door yeah. instead of a curtain sure. no I get you I, yeah yes. so I wasn't worried about money to me that's rich yeah and uh, I've been poor and, and this time around being poor I, w I was uh, I was actually happier because I loved I, I I rediscovered my love for writing jokes and, and yeah. performing and getting on stage and I I also I mean we hung out there for a little while one night uh, the comedy cellar has been a tremendous social boon for me oh, yeah, it's, it's, very it's a great place to, if you, if, to if hang out if you can sit at the table once, <laughs> once you're invited over to the table yes. and you're not one of those yeah. uh, those people at the other table yeah 
Uh, it's, yeah. it's very interesting because there, there is a table very close to it. Yeah, but it's that, still that you can not reach and, and yeah. touch it. But, you can but still don't talk. Bring, yeah, don't bring your chair any closer. Yeah, than you the can talk from distance. that table, yes. but to, but to sit in the corner table, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's high New school York, cafeteria. It's, oh, it's remarkable in New York. Yeah. It's definitely a, it's definitely a a, 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 a special yeah. seat. Yeah, but you you are strong enough. Uh, performer and, and star that you're able to actually uh, bring somebody to the table who's not even a, a comic. That's a very special level. Not many yeah, people can get me, away with I, that. I, I've had girlfriends where, where they will say, uh, yeah, you got to be a comedian to sit at this table. So it says more about me. Right. Than, yeah. Well, so yeah but also, like, I've also brought girls in there and I'm like, you know, I don't want to bring you. Oh, I don't yeah, want to put you not. through that. No. <laughs> like, oh, no, because it's, just it's, it's a lot gentler yeah. now. You uh, just don't, you know, you never know when, you know, it, it, it really depends on the mix. But, you know, if Keith is there and Keith Robinson and Norton is there. Oh my God! And Colin. Uh, and Colin. Yeah. Well, Colin's a, you know he he can go either way. Colin's I, very I, gentle. I, I never know if he likes me or he doesn't like oh, me. Oh yeah, don't worry. Yeah. Uh, but 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 if if Keith's there and if, if Patrice was alive, uh, I I'll sit in another restaurant. Yes. If I if I go there with somebody, I'm like you know what? Yes. Let's just uh, Mark. You yeah, a, you're a phony bitch. Yeah yeah. <laughs> and who's this bitch you're with? I'm yeah. like I, I don't yeah. know, buddy. Nice oh. to see you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 That was uh, that was interesting. That when, when I first started, Patrice was maybe a year in, but he already had that attitude and the confidence on stage in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and just and he had jokes that were just w wonderful and would kill. Yeah, and he abandoned almost right away. Yeah, because they were too set up. Don't want to like. He, was, he didn't want him to like him too much. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And he was just uh, he was a provocateur even even a year in. He just sure. was he was a force of nature. He was something. But else. yeah, but that table. I'm glad it was there for you. I mean, it definitely. Uh, has helped uh, many a comic out. Yeah. Uh, you know, but quite honestly, I, you know, I never know how in I am over there. Like, she wouldn't let me work at that place until I did an HBO half hour. I mean, oh, really? I, yeah, I was never, like, and when, I, when I'm in town there, you know, I'm like, I'm here for the weekend. I'm going to do a bunch of spots at the cellar. She's like, I gave you a uh, 1230, but everyone is in town. Atel is here. <laughs> Mark Cohen. You know, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Not Mark Cohen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You know, so like I never feel yeah. like I'm always happy. Like I, I don't, I don't really go there uh, much when I go to town. I haven't been to New York in over a year now. I don't know oh, why. Oh, really? Yeah, I got to go back. Yeah, you really should. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and uh, do some shows. It's, uh, I mean, that place they do three shows Wednesday and Thursday and Sunday, four shows Friday, four shows Saturday, two shows Monday, two shows Tuesday, and they're always sold yeah. out. So it's a a great place if you if you want to try out stuff, especially if you're gonna go on. Uh, late night. No, no, no I, I love yeah. the room, and I, and I fought hard to get in there, and yeah. you know, and I and I and I, I have a lot of uh, appreciation for it. I just haven't been going back to New York as much, and the last few times I went, I was doing live WTFs or doing oh, right. other shows. You know, I like sometimes, you know, I mean, it did definitely help me out a lot. You know, uh, in the same way, when I moved back to New York, when I was going through the divorce, and I, you know, everything had fallen apart, and I took that job at Air America again, I would go down there. And uh, and just sit there with those guys, and you know, it definitely, it definitely helped me. Yeah, because sometimes it would be th they'd be the only people I talk to all. And all you know, day. they'll bust your balls, and you need it. Yeah, you know, because you know you don't want to get lost in self pity, you know, and, and yeah. you know, and they won't. They they just it's too draining for them to deal with babysitting. So they'd rather just. <laughs> You know, kind of like bust your balls, and yeah. you know, the people forget that we're a community of people, yeah. and that you know, and, and that we do take care of each other. But the, and the, and there are a few guys who you can be really deep with and and talk about your like, surprisingly, yeah, like uh, Nick Griffin is is one who 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 has been there <laughs> yeah, yeah. as far as relationships, yeah, and yeah. I could just talk to him for hours about about uh, Kurt Vonnegut and my my uh, demise with my relationships and, and all, all of them. So like you know, if you, if you need them to very deep, yeah, if you need yeah. to focus, and you know, they get us like you know. You know, Jim Norton is a sweet guy. Yeah. You know, Keith. Yes. All you got to do yeah. is get, you got one rally with him. And if you yeah. hit him hard enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. It's, it's amazing. When he's not there, it's missing something. And I, I really, I really miss him. But it, I, I think it really hit me at, at Patrice's funeral when the, like Colin spoke and Keith spoke and these people spoke. And the, a lot of people we were all crying. But then we would laugh because Colin was making fun of Voss for trying to sell DVDs out front of the church and, right, right. and all these things. And it was like, wow, we're, we're very lucky that we're amongst these very funny but also deep and 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 yeah, Colin's very deep special, guy. yeah, 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 yeah special yeah. people. So we're, we're really 
we're really very lucky. I mean, you go to a funeral of, of most people in your life, and it's 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 not as funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. and it's not as I, but no. it's also not as deep, and and nobody really admits yeah. to having yeah, I, I, missing I'm, and loving and I didn't go back like for it. I feel bad about that, but I I definitely had my feelings. Yeah, of and course. I talked about. I, it I loved and, your episode with with Patrice and and the follow up after he passed away. Those were those were wonderful. I, yeah. I mean, those are those are some of my favorite WTFs. He's, along with Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald one was, that was one mind of my blowing. favorite. Was oh, like, boy, I who, loved it. Who knew that that you know that all that was in there? That also, that he was so insecure about his. Uh, his ability to just be funny without the writing. Like he was convinced that it was all about the writing. When I feel like anything he says makes me laugh, but he, that was very inspiring. I, yeah, I yeah. love that one. Yeah. You know what I think, you know what I always hated when, when you're going through, like, you know, someone said to me when I was going through a divorce, you know, it was like, uh, you know, so what you'll, you'll, you'll make new money. And I'm like, are you sure? You know, that's, that's a foreign idea I, to Jews it, that money comes and money goes. It was always my non-Jewish friends. It's who a get foreign me idea to people who don't live the life we live. You I know, guess. It's, it's one thing. Look, if you if you go through a divorce and you own a company and the company is doing fine, you're like, yeah, I'm going to make it back. But when right. you do what we do, it's like, yes. I don't spend money because yes. I don't know when the money's going to come. And yeah. then you got these people. It's like, hey, you, you, it's best you get rid of her. Money comes and goes. I'm like, does it? It's only come once <laughs> for me. It only I mean, goes. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. I I had, you know, I had a little yeah. bit once, and I don't know. I saved it all, and now it's gone. Yeah, I've and, I've tried to hoard, and and the, the next time around, and I've had several next times around where I just behaved in the in the same way. I'm I'm a fool. Yeah, well, that's uh, well, good. Then we're in the right profession. Yes, we're fools. Yeah. All oh, right. Thanks, Gary. Nice. Oh, that was a nice tight ending. Thank okay. you, Mark. All right. That is our show. I didn't uh, make this clear before. Thank you, Gary. That was a lovely conversation. And thank you, people who came out to the um, live WTF at the uh, Trippany House at the Steve Allen uh, on Tuesday. Appreciate that. We had a nice crowd. Good show. It's going to be a fun one to listen to. If you need anything WTF related, go to WTFpod.com. Get on that mailing list. Um, What else? You know the score. Get the app. Upgrade the app. Get all 350 episodes. There is a new box set available. We've done a second printing of the first 100. They're available on the website. First 100 WTFs on MP3 files that you can rip and do your thing with. Oh, a lot of good ones coming up. Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner separately next week, Monday and Thursday. That's great stuff. Okay. Do what you need to do. Do I have an in-tune guitar now? Is this the way we're going to end things now?